Welcome to Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. Good. So Jesus, thank you for everything that's taken place. The kingdom of heaven is just already here. It's touching this place. And we just thank you, Holy Spirit. You're so good. And we just welcome you to just come in and just change hearts today. And just to redirect every thought that's not of you back to um, your thoughts, Father. Your thoughts, Holy Spirit. Amen. So we're in the, the Prosperous Soul series still. Week six of the Prosperous Soul series. Um, it's, man, six weeks. Uh, it's, it's amazing because you preached two weeks. And so it's really been two months since we started this series. And... Um, I've just been blessed by it. I hope you have been. I've gotten a lot of positive feedback um, from the, the messages, and uh, so I'm, I'm just thankful to God that it's been touching hearts and, and helping people. And so our key verse in the series has been uh, 3 John 1-2, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. And so one of our foundational beliefs needs to be that God is good. God is good, and he wants us to prosper in all things. Amen? Amen? God is so good, and he wants you to prosper. He wants you to prosper in your life. He wants you to prosper in your relationships, in your friendships, in your marriage, in your finances. There's not an area of your life that he doesn't want you to prosper in. Amen? So if we're not prospering in those areas, it's not because God's not trying to get us there, not because he doesn't will it. He wills for us to prosper in every area of our life. Amen. Amen. God is crazy about you. He's crazy about you. I remember I had an encounter with the Lord. It was a couple years ago, and I was just going through something hard, and I was just praying. I was like, God, you know, just kind of like, you know, just... Uh, talking to the Lord, and I felt like like Jesus come up to me and just grab me by the shoulders, and he's like, Daniel, I'm crazy about you! <laughs> and it just shook all the discouragement off of me. And I just want, you know, that's not just for me, that's for everybody. God is crazy about you. Amen. Jesus is crazy about you. There's, there, he has so much blessing, so much love, so much goodness for you. He's radically for you, and that needs to be a foundational belief. that That's where we start as Christians. God is good, and he is radically for you. Amen? If we don't realize God's for us, we will resist him. We'll resist his love. We will resist his grace. We will resist his blessing. We will resist his training. We will resist him. I had a, <laughs> I had a, uh, in high school, by the way, Joey and I went to the same high school, uh, Big high school is 3,000 students in our high school, and it was uh, and just for three grades, it was a, like a thousand per grade. And uh, I just I just tell you, I grew up in kind of like a tough situation, and my parents were divorced when I was young, and it just kind of had a it was it was a rough upbringing. And um, I'm so happy to say, you know, my daughter who is in high school now, she's having a completely different high school experience than I did. <laughs> I mean, like radically different. I'm just so proud of her. She's on a roll, she's in student government, she's like in a, in a uh, acapella singing group at her school that's like well-known and she's just thriving and has great friends and, and that's, it's, it's a completely different experience than, than what I have. And, uh, and you know, that's our hope for our children is that they have something more than us, something better than us and that they go farther than us and we wanna lay a foundation for our children that they can supersede us and go farther than us, amen? amen. So I'm happy about that. 
So anyway, I had a, a teacher in high school, and it was an English class, and I'm not going to say her name. But uh, she was not very nice to me. It's probably the worst experience I'd ever had with a teacher. And uh, I remember I, I just felt, I had this feeling, I was like, this person really doesn't like me. And so I remember I had a, this was a writing assignment. And I was like, I'm going to go all out in this writing assignment. I'm going to show her that you know, I can do this and, like, and I'm sh- show myself that I can do it. And so I went all out in this writing assignment. I got it back, D. Got a D on it. And I was like crushed. And I was like, ugh. And then not, not too much longer, probably a couple days later, um, she was passing out like quizzes. Uh, and she was just going to each person and passing them out. And I don't remember exactly what happened, but I, I wasn't paying attention at the exact moment when she was handing me the test. And she literally threw the test in my face, like hit me in the face and like fell on my lap. And at that moment, I gathered my stuff and I went to our, our school office and we each had like a, a counselor, each student had a, a counselor assigned to them. So I went right unannounced into my counselor's office and I said, I don't care what you, where you put me, but I'm not going back to that class. I was like, I'm done. It's like, I'm not gonna go back to that class. And, and she was really gracious and she put me in a study hall. <laughs> no, it was actually study hall. And uh, so what is my point in saying all that? Um, because I didn't believe that that person was for me, I was no longer willing to be taught by them, to be under their influence, to be judged by them, to be around them. Because I had a belief like, this person is not for me. And when we put that on God, when we believe there's some little part of our heart that doesn't believe that God's for us, we won't receive his training, we won't receive his love, we'll feel judged by him, just like I felt judged by the mean high school teacher. I was convinced that that teacher was not for me. But God is radically for you. He's trying to get you into victory. He's trying to get you to win in every single area of your life. And that needs to be a foundational belief. God only has good things for you. He only has good things for you. So I want to talk to you today about entering into his peace. Entering into his peace. Do you realize that peace is your portion? Peace is your portion. Peace is one of the reasons that Jesus died. He died to give you peace. We know that he died to give us salvation so that we could be made perfectly righteous before God. But he also died to bring us the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Amen. The kingdom of heaven, the Bible says, is righteousness, peace, and joy. One of the reasons he died was to give you peace so that we could experience peace, not just in heaven, but in this lifetime. Amen? So peace is your portion. It's what Jesus died to give you. God, our Father, is known as Jehovah Shalom, which means the God of peace. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. And one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is peace. And by the way, the fruits of the Spirit, it's not just what the Spirit produces, it's who the Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is love. He is joy. He is peace. So peace is our portion. Our dad is full of peace. He's the God of peace. Our savior is the prince of peace. And the Holy Spirit, who is our best friend, he is peace himself. So peace isn't the absence of issues or struggles. In the world, you know, that's how they would define peace. Is, well, peace is when things are not going bad. You know, peace is when we're not in war. But in the kingdom, peace is actually the presence of God in our life. 
Peace is not the absence of something, it's the presence of God in our life. That's why Jesus could be in a boat and sleep like a baby when everybody else felt like they were going to die. Because he had peace from, that came from within and it didn't, his circumstance around him didn't affect the peace that was in his heart. So the peace that we have, it's, more, it's so much more amazing than the absence of problems. Because when we have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, we can go through the storm and be at perfect peace. Like Jesus. Everybody's freaking out. I love that story. It's one of my favorite stories. <laughs> We're going to die, Jesus. And these are experienced sailors and fishermen. And they're like, this, this must have been a bad storm. Like, we're going to die. And he's like. <laughs> That's the kind of peace that we can have, no matter what the storm looks like. But we can carry that kind of peace. So James 4.8 says this. It says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God. God wants you to draw near to him. This is God asking us. He's saying, draw near to me. Come near to me. He's a gentleman. He's not going to break your door down. He gently knocks. But he's asking us. He's saying, draw near. Draw near to me. Draw near to me. I want to draw near to you. But to draw near to him, we need to know and understand that he's safe. He's safe. He's not like the mean teacher that threw the test in my face. He's good. And he's safe. And he wants good things for you. And he's asking us to draw near to him. Romans chapter 8, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's nothing between you and God. Jesus Christ took it all out of the way. There's nothing between you and God. I'm sure you've all heard of double jeopardy, that you can't be tried for the same crime twice. It would be double jeopardy for God to punish us for our sins after Jesus has already been punished. Jesus took our shame, he took our sin, he took our burden for us so that we would be the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen? There is nothing between you and God. If you think that your sin is in between you and God, you're wrong. The Bible says we're dead to sin. We're to, be, we're to consider ourselves, Paul said, consider yourselves dead to sin. He didn't say, consider yourselves dead to sin if, if you're not sinning. <laughs> right? said, consider yourselves dead to sin. And there was even moments, you know, you see it in the scripture where they're like, but wait, but our sin, but, and he's like, no, consider yourself dead to sin. It's like, God's going to take care of that. Don't focus on the sin, focus on Jesus. God's going to take care of that. So there is nothing between us and God. God is calling us into peace and he's asking us to draw near to him. And we need to understand there's nothing between us and him because the enemy will always try to put that thought in your mind. Oh, you did this, you did that, or you messed up here. And that's in between you and God when it's not true, it's a lie. So God is calling you into peace, but we need to know that God is safe and he only has good things for us. We need to know that there's no separation between us and him. And we need to know that we're designed, we're actually created to connect to him. We're created to connect to him. Genesis 1, 26 and 27, it says we're created in his image and in his likeness. So we're created to look like God and we're actually created like God himself. And he created us to connect to him. Amen? So you were designed to connect to him. Because you're created in his likeness, in his image, and you were designed to connect back with him. You were designed to seek after him. 
And we were designed to be filled with his love and with his joy and with his peace. You were designed to be filled with those things. Amen? You're designed to be carriers of love, carriers of the kingdom, righteousness, peace, joy. God designed us. He knows what makes us tick. And he's designed us to connect to him. And there's a part of us that if we're not connecting to God, we'll always feel unfulfilled, unsatisfied. And he's asking us because he's created us to connect to him. He's the only thing that can satisfy us. 2 Samuel 22.2. says, The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my rock. This is David speaking. He says, The Lord is my rock. He's my fortress. And he's my deliverer. So the Lord is our rock. He is the foundation on which we stand. He's our foundation. He's the foundation for everything in our life if we'll let him be. He'll be the foundation of your marriage. He'll be the foundation of your relationships. He'll be the foundation of your, what you do in your job, your business. Let him be the foundation of all those areas in your life. Because when you make those things the foundation, the marriage, the job, the career, whatever it is, your hobby, those things can and will be shaken. And when those things are the foundation of your life, when those things get shook, you will feel devastated. You will feel crushed. And it's a good sign when you're in that moment when you're just crushed because of a relationship, crushed because of a situation that you've made that thing the rock of your life. So we need to invite God in to be the rock of everything in our life, the rock of our hobby. Yeah, make him the rock of your hobby. Let him do your hobby with you. We're going to play basketball tonight. (laughs) By the way, if anybody wants to play basketball, come see me after service. We play basketball on Sunday nights. We're not good, but we have fun. (laughs) We're competitive. It's a great mix of we're not good, but we're competitive. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'll speak for myself, I guess. So we we have a lot of fun. So seriously, if you want to play tonight, we go every Sunday night. So we're designed to be filled by him, and he is our rock. And we can make him the rock of every part of our life. When anything else becomes our foundation, we're setting ourselves up for pain. We're setting ourselves up for heartbreak. Psalm 37.5 says this, Commit your way to the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. This is what that means. It means cast the whole burden of life upon him. Cast the whole burden of life upon him. Not just your present situation, but all your cares and submit the entirety of your life to him. All your burdens, all your cares, everything in my life, God, come and be the rock. This is committing your way to the Lord. Everything that I do, God, I want you to be at the center of it. And he will come and he will be the center of everything that you do in your life. Psalm 16, 8. This is again David. I love David. I, I, I really believe... One of the reasons that he was um, that he was the apple of God's eye was because of his constant pursuit of God's heart. It wasn't because he was perfect. Man, he messed up a lot, and he did and he did some big ones. But he was constantly after God's heart, and he was constantly coming back into God's presence. He was after God's heart. So this is what David said, Psalm sixteen eight: I have set the Lord continually before me. 
Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. I've set the Lord continually before me. I put him before me in all things. God, in this situation, in my hobby, in my marriage, in my career, I want to put you at the forefront. I trust you in these things. If something happens in my career, God, you're the rock of that. You have something better for me. God, if, some, if my marriage looks like it's shaking, God, I trust you. You're at the center of that. You're, you're teaching me something new that I need to learn. Let him be the center. Let him be the rock of everything that you do. I've set the Lord continually before me. Make him the foundation. Setting the Lord before us implies intention on our part. It says set the Lord. If you set something, you're going to actually have an action. I'm going to move this from here and I'm going to set it here. It requires or implies intention on our part. Setting the Lord before us. Put him in your schedule. Not out of obligation, not out of fear, but out of a belief that he knows what you need. He's good and he knows what you need. So I want him in my schedule because I need to connect with him. I need him to redirect me. I need him to show me. I need him to um, encounter me and, and deposit into me everything that he is. I want to put him in my schedule because he knows what I need and he's only good. Jesus said, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. How many times do we? Well, Colton, you're eating like eight times a day right now, right? You flipped it. Okay. But I mean, we eat, right? Three times, four times, five times a day. And Jesus himself said, man shall not, shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I like that he compared it to eating because we eat so often. But how often are we connecting with the Lord? Amen? And this isn't a point of condemnation. This is a point of like, man, I need to connect to my dad. I need to connect to him. We can survive on food alone, but we can't really live unless we're feeding off of God's words. Reminds me of the Braveheart. What's the Braveheart quote? All men die, but not, but not all men truly live. Nobody? Sorry, I was just going to yell freedom. Freedom. <laughs> that was actually, we went and saw Braveheart on a date, and like early on in our relationship, and I was really bummed that it was like a three-hour movie. <laughs> like, I just got to take her home right after the movie. Because I wanted to get to know you more. So we can survive on food, but we can't really live unless we're feeding off of God's words. So we enter into peace, and we draw near to God by making him the foundation of our life, and by feeding off of him, feeding off of his words. So I'm, I'm really big on practical application. I hate hearing messages where I'm like, that sounds amazing, but how do you do it? <laughs> I agree. How do I do it? <laughs> So I'm really big on practical, practical application. So how, how do we do this? How do we make God the center of our life? What does this look like? How do we pursue him and make him the rock of every area of our life? So this is what's neat is there's not a formula. And this is something that we get to discover with God. This is something that we get to go on our own journey and discover with God. And it may look different for each person because we're all very unique. We're all very different. 
and we're going to connect to him in different ways. Like, I don't personally like prayer walks, but I know people that, like, love prayer walks, and they get so much. And I have a good friend that's like, it's like every day he has his hour prayer walk, and he's like, man, I'm so supercharged after my prayer walk. And he just loves it. And I tried to do prayer walks, and I'm like, God, I'm cold. I go. <laughs> it's cold, not, not in the summer, obviously, around here. But uh, I actually, uh, actually like private prayer times with the Lord for me, personally. Like, I like to be in a room by myself, and I turn on some music, and I just have a quiet time with God where I'm not doing anything else but trying to connect to the Lord and to focus on Him. And in my prayer times, I pray for all of you. I pray for our church. I pray for my family. I give God every care that I have. I'm like, God, I'm, I'm a little concerned about this. I need your perspective on this. And I'll pray for my needs. I'll pray for God to, to come. God, make me a better man. God, I need to be a better man. I need to be a better husband. I need to be a better father. Make me a better pastor. These are the kind of things it's, it's okay to take all of your needs, all of your cares to God. Amen? We don't have to put on airs with God and try to say the right words. But we can go and just pour it out to him like we would to, to a good friend. Just be like, God, I'm struggling here. God, I need breakthrough here. God, what do I need to know about this situation? So I like, personally, I like private prayer times. I like scripture walks. I don't like prayer walks, but I like scripture walks. And that's, I have an app on my phone. My wife and I both have it called Scripture Typer. And we've got like, I've just got it loaded with hundreds of scriptures. And so I go on walks and I just read scripture. And I just I'll read the same scripture four or five times and then go to the next one. And I, I love that. I like meditation. You know, meditation sometimes uh, has a negative connotation because we see meditation in like Eastern religion and Buddhism and stuff. But David talks a lot about meditation. We just have to understand what godly meditation is. Godly meditation is not emptying your mind. It's filling your mind with God's thoughts. So meditation is filling your mind with God's thoughts, filling your mind with God's perspective. That's why I love my scripture walk. I'm just filling my mind with God, filling my mind with his words. So I personally like meditation, and I like to have a scripture loaded in my mind Sometimes just throughout my day that I can just, I'm just meditating, chewing on this one scripture, or else several throughout the week that I'm just mulling over, or, you know, practically just take one scripture a week. Be like, okay, this is my scripture that I'm going to meditate on this week. God, show me a deeper meaning of the scripture. And man, you can draw so much out of God, out of one scripture. If you're just asking God, show me what this means, and just meditating on it, chewing on it, mulling over the scripture all throughout your week. Some people are encouraged by having Christian music playing throughout their day, and I like doing that. So we get to discover what helps us to connect to him, what helps us remember. A lot of just connecting with the Lord is just remembering, oh yeah, like he is my foundation. He is my rock. He is actually guiding my life. He is actually blessing my life, and if God is for me, who can be against me? I've got the creator of all the universe who's for me. So when I, if I have that in mind, I have that loaded and ready to go, when I face a big challenge, I'm like, oh wait, the God of the whole universe is actually for me. I'm going to be all right. Amen? God's power to bless you is so much more powerful than the enemy's ability to come against you. The blessing, God's blessing is so much more powerful than a curse. Amen? You've got the God of the whole universe who's for you. So part of meditating, it's not a religious, like, I'm trying to do something to earn something. I hope we know that by now. We talk a lot about grace. It's not to earn something from God. It's not to check a box. 
It's because we need him. We need to check him. What did I say? We need to, we need to connect to him. Yeah. Check jumped in instead of connect. Check, check and connect. <laughs> we need to connect to him. So it's just knowing that we have a deep dependence. We're created to connect to him, and we need to connect to him. I need to know what his perspective is. Amen. And it starts with that belief of God is good. God is good. Maybe some of us need to work on that. And I know my wife and I had to work on that a lot because it was keeping us from fully engaging God. So we had to go back to the foundation of like, no, God is good. He's only good. He's radically for me. One thing that I I think is great for all of us and something that we can all use and integrate into our life is testimonies. Testimonies are a way to keep your mind set on the things of God. It's a way to remember what God has done in your life. Don't forget what God has done in your life, what he's, where he's brought you from. Another psalm, David said this. He said, I have more insight than all my teachers. I have more insight than all my teachers. Why? Because your testimonies are my meditation. He said, I have more wisdom than all my teachers because I meditate on testimonies. So there's an implication in that scripture that as we're meditating on testimonies, that God is actually growing us in wisdom. As we're meditating on what God's done, who he is, we're actually growing in wisdom. If you want to grow in wisdom, meditate on testimonies. He says, I have more wisdom than all my teachers because I just meditate on testimonies. We can't afford to forget what God has done in our life. When we meditate on testimonies, our minds are ever expanding about how, God's, how big God is. About how big he is. I'm just focusing on like, wow, yeah, you did that, and you did this, and you did this. And I want to not just meditate on my own testimonies. I want to meditate on your testimonies. In fact, we love hearing testimonies, your, your, what you've been through, how God saved you, what he's done in your life. We feed off of that. We start every leadership meeting that we do in this church with testimonies. Like, what's God done? What is he doing? What's happening in our church? We need to remember. We need to recall those things to mind. Psalm 143, verse 5. David says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your doings. I muse on the work of your hands. I love that scripture. He says, I remember what you've done. I remember the days of old. I meditate on what you're doing currently. And I muse on the work of your hands. I don't ever want to forget what God has done in my life. I don't want to forget what he's done. I don't want to forget that he healed my wife. She's here with us today because God supernaturally healed her. Supernaturally healed her heart in an instant. We had such bad prognosis from the doctor. And in one moment, God heals her. I don't ever want to forget that. I don't ever want to forget that God healed my back. I mean, I had, it was bad. I've shared the testimony before, but I had a problem even just walking. And I just went to bed. I just, I said, I need one day to use my faith. And I just went to bed and my daughter, my wife prayed for me. And the Lord healed my back in my sleep. And he actually gave me dreams that he was healing me. I think it was just to remove all doubt that like, I couldn't wake up and just be like, oh, it's just magically better. It's like, no, God was actually giving me dreams that he was healing me in the night. I don't ever want to forget that. 
I don't ever want to forget that God set me free from fear and intimidation. You guys know that testimony. I wouldn't be speaking. I was too afraid to speak before God set me free of fear and intimidation. I wouldn't be up here today. And in one moment, God just set me free of fear and intimidation. I don't ever want to forget that God saved my son Ethan's life. When he was born, he had the umbilical cord wrapped around his neck three times, and he had a, a knot, a complete knot in his umbilical cord. And as he was being delivered into the world, the doctor was like, whoa. And, and we were like, what's wrong? And he's like, nothing's wrong. And he's unwrapping the umbilical cord around, from around his neck. And he goes, your baby's a miracle. And, and we we're like, why? And he said, he said, most times when we see that, there's wrapped around the neck or a, not either one, just one of those, it's a tragedy. It's like a lot of babies are birthed stillborn because of one of those things. Your baby has both and he's completely fine. Like no problems. We had no indication even that there was a problem. Completely fine. It was God's protection on his life. Even his name was prophetic. His name, Ethan, means strong and enduring. He went through the whole labor process with this thing wrapped around his neck and with a knot in his cord, and he was completely fine. I don't want to ever forget encountering the love of the Father. There was two moments in my life where I just encountered God's love. And just all I can tell you, if you haven't encountered the, the complete love of God, is that in those moments, you realize that all the little things we worry about are nothing that God is just so vast and his love for us is so powerful. I remember the first time it happened, I just wept for half an hour as I'm driving to an appointment. I'm just weeping and weeping and weeping as his love is just coming in, just penetrating every part of me, everything in my life. I'm just like, wow, I'll never worry about that again. I'll never worry about this again because God's love is just so powerful, so overwhelming. I don't, I don't want to forget those things. I have to keep those close. I have to remind myself. I have to remember what he's done. I want to encourage you to spend time each day or at least have it in your schedule throughout your week to remember what God's done. Meditate on what he's done in your life. Meditate on what he's done in your family. Meditate on what he's done to people around you. You know, like... Mercy, she did so amazing, by the way. Man, there's, there's a lot of future, like, powerful men and women of God in this church. And maybe she could be the next pastor of Awaken Lake Church. <laughs> she did so good. But I want to meditate on that. I want to meditate on that. God's not a respecter of persons. He'll use a little girl to heal someone. I want to meditate on that. One thing that we're determined to do as, as uh, a couple and as a core group and as a church is to feed off of testimonies and to meditate on what guys, uh, God has done in our life. And I want to close with this verse, Isaiah 26.3. says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is set on you. You keep him in perfect peace. How many could use some perfect peace? I can. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is set on you because he trusts in you.
There's something that's implied in that verse about when we just set our mind on God, it draws us into a deeper trust of him. It draws us into a deeper trust of him. So how do we enter into his peace? Know that peace is your portion. Peace is who God is. Know that he is asking you to draw near. He is asking you, saying, draw near to me. And know that there's no separation between you and him. There's absolutely nothing in between you and him. Jesus took it all out of the way. In fact, there's a scripture in Hebrews that says exactly that. It says, Jesus Christ took everything out of the way between us and God. Know that God is safe. He's safe. You may have been abused by authority figures in your life. I know I I certainly was, and I know a lot of us have been. But God is not like that. He's good, and he's safe. Know that he's designed us to connect to him. Know that you were created, and it's in your very design that you were created and designed to be filled by love, by his love, his joy, his peace. Amen. Could you just close your eyes this morning?